invite you to take your copy of God's Word and, and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. As I was preparing for this uh, message, uh, I remembered one of those situations I encountered several years ago. Well, I was invited to attend an induction into a hall of fame of somebody, for somebody. But not only were they being inducted, several others were being inducted into the hall of fame. And I'll never forget the first person who was introduced and brought up onto the stage talked for a solid hour about their life. Nancy, you were there that day, weren't you? We'll, we'll never forget it. I mean, I can understand why the Academy Award starts playing that music after two or three minutes. They should have had a band that day to, to do that. Because you just think about, in, in all honesty, how totally inappropriate that was. But tonight, it is so appropriate for us to sing about the Lord and celebrate the Lord, tell stories about great people who most of us, I wouldn't know, Philip Bliss, you know, testimony about his faith in God. And, and to hear your, I mean, it, it would be perfectly appropriate for us to stay here all night and, and into tomorrow, not hearing me preach, but hearing testimonies of what God has done in your life or in the life of others. It would be so appropriate. It's also appropriate that each one of us tonight, if, if we were to, you know, this was the last day of our life and our funeral was, was three days from now, it'd be so appropriate for us to have like on our monument or whatever you want to call it, tombstone, whatever, Served God alone. No matter what you do for a living. It would be so appropriate if in our heart of hearts, no matter what we did for a living or what filled our activities, if in reality what we did was simply serve God alone. Well, let's look at this passage of Scripture. Starting with um, verse 1. Of chapter 7 of 1 Samuel. So the men of Kiriath Jerom came and took up the ark of the Lord. They took it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to guard the ark of the Lord. It was a long time, 20 years in all, that the ark remained at Kiriath Jerom. And all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth, and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve Him only. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines so that Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and serve the Lord only. 
Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord, and he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin. And he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far has the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israelite territory again. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we simply ask that you'd open our hearts, open our eyes to your word, and that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I see in this text is simply that we must commit ourselves to the Lord. It had been 20 years since the ark of the Lord had been at the center of Israel's worship. The children of Israel had been pestered by the Philistines over and over again. The Philistines had actually, if you read before we read tonight, had actually captured the Ark of the Covenant. And they determined that wasn't too smart. And they decided to return it shortly, you know, before even a year uh, was over because of the plagues that the Lord had sent upon them. You look in the first chapters of, of Samuel. Yet, after the Philistines returned this Ark of the Covenant, it remained, as we read, in the house of Abinadab. And not only did it remain there, it stayed there for about 20 years. 20 years. That's interesting in verse 2. Look at it again in verse 2. It says that, 
a long time, 20 years and all, the ark remained there. And all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. That's, a, that's an interesting statement there. For, for 20 years, evidently, they were content with it being there. And now they're beginning to become dissatisfied with the, with the status quo. And the men and the nation of, of Israel are getting frustrated. They're getting uncomfortable. And they're beginning to mourn. They're beginning to, to cry out to God. And I'm afraid that many of us, including myself, are too easily satisfied. We're, we're too easily content with letting things rocking along as they are. Many times there's very little frustration with our own spiritual conditions or with our own personal relationship with God. Sometimes we have to get to the point where God has to shake us up before we'll go deeper in our walk with Him. I remember when I was in high school, I was, had a great youth minister and people who were encouraging me. And, and I'll never forget, they said, uh, John, when you go off to college, find a wonderful Christian ministry on that campus. Get involved. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll remember that sage advice. And, and so I went off to Georgia Southern and I, and I remember, you know, there was an opportunity to coach the girls' dorm, you know, flag football team. What an opportunity to have a ministry, you know. Don't you think, Tate, one that's a great, great idea? Coach the girls' dorm flag football team. I thought it was a great opportunity to build relationships, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I remember, you know, going to a, a weekly meeting of a student ministry, and it was a lot of people there and just a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, I was visiting a bunch of different churches, you know, in, in Statesboro at the time. And, but I'll never forget uh, driving, driving home one night. I had this beautiful Toyota station wagon that was like a, you know, 73 model, whatever, you know, it was an old kind of ragged out thing, and, and I just remember driving that, and, and for some reason, I pulled into the parking lot of the Presbyterian Church, you know, and it was, it was dark, there wasn't anything going on, it's just like if you pulled back into our FLC at, you know, 9 o'clock at night or something, you know, it's just kind of a dark place, quiet, and I remember pounding the dash of the car and yelling out to God. And I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? I'm here in school. I'm studying. I'm, I'm involved with all these activities. Man, there's a lot of, quote, fun. But what is it you really want me to do? Because I knew in my heart I was just filling my life with activity. I knew I wasn't really following the Lord. And you know, from that moment, when I began to cry out to God and asking Him, lead me, guide me, show me, that's when I began to develop a closer walk with Him. 
And evidently, that's what happened in this text. When these people began to, to cry out, when they got discontent, when they got frustrated, when they began to cry out to God, then the house of Israel was ready to hear a word from the Lord. They were ready to hear from the prophet Samuel. They finally were unhappy with the way things were going on in their life or, or in the nation of Israel, and they wanted things to be different. So when Samuel told them how they could return to the Lord, you know what? They were ready. They were ready. What about us? What good is it if our pastor shares with us how to return to the Lord and draw closer to Him if we're not ready to hear it? If we're not ready to respond? They were ready. Are we tonight? Are we ready? First thing that Samuel said, he said, If you're returning to the Lord, picking up in the middle of verse 3, if you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods. Rid yourselves of the foreign gods. Get rid of it. Get rid of them. There's no way you can return to the Lord if you're going towards something else. There's no way you can return to the Lord if you're focusing on your pet sin. There's no way you can return to the Lord if you are indulging yourself. He says, put away your idols. Now, I don't know how God's going to speak to you about your idols. All I can tell you is the crazy thing that happened to me three weeks ago. Y'all are going to wonder, man, what is going on with this guy? But anyway, three weeks ago, normal evening, I go to bed. And right before I fall asleep, the Lord answers a prayer I've been praying for four years. Basically, for four years, I've shared this with the staff, for four years I've been praying for a white four-door F-150 pickup. Now, it's very simple. I need the pickup for two reasons. I have a lot of shrubbery, thanks to Julian Cannon, whose house I purchased. He has beautiful shrubbery. But it's a lot to cut and to maintain. So I tried one time cutting it and drying it and burning it. And when you have that much shrubbery, you just, that's just unreasonable. So you got to cut it and you got to get it off the property, okay? So I need a pickup to haul off all this shrubbery I need to cut. Secondly, I need a four-door pickup because I pick up a lot of people bringing them to church. Okay, I, just, I can't just have a two-door. That's got to be a four-door. So I've been praying for four years, and I said, Lord, it doesn't have to be new. It doesn't even have to be real good looking. I just need that truck. Any of y'all ever prayed for something for quite a while? Raise your hand if you ever prayed for something more than five minutes. Good, good, good. I need a little audience participation. Okay, so here's what happened three weeks ago. As I'm laying down and going to sleep, the Lord speaks to me, not audibly, but speaks to me. And he says, John, you don't need a pickup. 
What you need is a trash can. <laughs> now, I've been praying for this truck for four years. And the Lord says, think of the trash can at the Family Life Center. You know those big, brute, 38-gallon trash cans that are there? Buy you a brand new trash can. Buy you a box of those whatever size, 48-gallon bags. You know what? If you won't fill those bags full, you just put some of the clippings in there, you can put those in your minivan and it's not going to make a mess. You don't need a pickup truck. That's how God answered that prayer. In the middle of the night. And the next day I went to Lowe's. I said, those things are $35. They're not cheap trash cans. And you know, those bags, $15. I spent 50 but that's a lot less than what? Whatever. $15, $25, whatever you can spend on a pickup truck. Listen, Samuel told them, get rid of your foreign gods. Get rid of your idols. I don't know what your idols were. All I know is every time, and I, and I you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to buy another vehicle sometime, but every time I drive by, you know, I don't want to give a commercial, but a certain truck dealer in town, <laughs> I'd look, you know, and I'd just be checking those things out. I don't even look anymore. I just kind of look, kind of go, no, I don't need one of those. I don't need one anymore. I got a trash can. That's right, exactly. God, what I mean is God answered the prayer. He, met, he showed me how the need could be met, okay? I don't know what you're clinging to tonight. I don't know what you think you've got to have. Put it away. Put it away. We not only must be willing to put it away, any idol, whatever God shows you, I don't know what yours is, but he also tells us this, that we are to, listen, fix your heart. Fix your heart. Commit yourself to the Lord. Fix your heart on the Lord. Can you remember when you were in elementary school? Earl, can you remember that? Elementary school? Can you remember when you had your first crush on a girl if you're a guy? Okay, do you remember your first crush? Mine was third grade. Her name was Terry Elkins. Okay? And I can remember Terry Elkins because we went to Cheehaw Park for the end of the year school party. And Terry came up to me and said, you're so silly. Because I was in love with her. I mean, hey, isn't it all right to be in love when you're in third grade? No, no, it's not. Okay, but anyway, but I can remember I was, I was, my heart was fixed on Terry Elkins. I can tell you also, I can remember later when I was 12, not six years old, but 12 years old. I can remember I made the all-star team in baseball. Man, I was so excited. I'm an all-star. 12 years old, third baseman. And now we're playing the all-star games. I'm so pumped up. You know the closest I got to being in a game? The closest I got to playing in the all-star game was I was on deck when we made the last out. <laughs> Man, but I, I, I wasn't going to miss a practice. I didn't miss a practice. You know what I mean? We get our hearts fixed on all kinds of things. But you know what? I want to ask you a question. What would your life really look like tonight if your heart and your life was lived fixed on Jesus Christ? 
What would that look like? Listen, he's trustworthy. He's reliable. He desires. It's fitting. You know, I mean, it's, it's absurd for a third grade boy to have his heart fixed on a girl named Terry Elkins. But it's fitting and it's appropriate for a third grade boy or a 93-year-old man tonight to have his heart fixed on Jesus Christ. You know, if, uh, if Aubrey and, and Marlon were walking down the streets here of, of uh, Tifton, Georgia, and they were singing about the public library, I think they'd lost their minds. You know, if they were singing... Uh, you know, about the wonderful books and how everybody, you know, they're singing songs about the library. I, wouldn't you think that's a little strange? I would. But if tonight they're here singing praise to Jesus Christ, surrendering their lives to Him, isn't that fitting? Fixing their hearts on Him. It makes sense. Finally, Samuel said, not only to remove the foreign gods and fix your heart on the Lord, but to serve him alone. Serve him alone. And that's hard to do. You know the saying, moderation in all things. Moderation in all, in all things. You know, if somebody gets real excited about their relationship with Jesus Christ, what would you say to them? Would you say, you know, young man, you really don't need to be totally committed to the Lord. A, a, a little bit of church and a little bit of religion is good for the soul, but let's not take this thing too far. But you know what? Tonight, if you determine in your heart to serve God alone, there will be times when you do serve God all alone. So there are going to be some people who will admire you. There will be some people who will encourage you. But many people will ignore you. They'll turn away from you. The question tonight as we look at God's word is will you determine in your heart personally get rid of your idols? Not my idols, but your idols. Will you fix your heart on the Lord and will you determine to serve him alone I'll never forget the words of Jesus he said come to me come to me all who are weary come to me he's inviting you and me tonight to come to him and to serve him alone look at the passage in verses 5 through 9 if you look on verses 5 through 9 you see what happened when they came. When they came to the place of Mizpah. Samuel, he loved God, he loved the people, and he told the children of Israel as they gathered there, he said that he would pray for them. And as a sign of their dedication, they took precious water. And they didn't drink it, but they poured it out before the Lord. Poured it out before the Lord. What's most precious to us? 
our time, our money, our relationships. Tonight, would you lay those before the Lord? Would you just pour them out before the Lord? Would you say, Lord, my time's yours. Lord, my relationships are yours. My money is yours. And then it says they admitted and they confessed their sins. They poured out their lives before the Lord and then they confessed their sins. They gave something to the Lord they realized they could never take back. I know there's a lot of discussion. In, oh, you know, it's one of the most popular topics in the world right now. Is, is like when you, when you trust Christ, when you pray a prayer, is that... Is that all it takes to be saved? Those kind of things. Boy, it's kind of like the new popular thing to write about, talk about, and all this kind of stuff. But if in, in praying to receive Jesus, you are actually pouring your life out to Him, trusting Him as your Lord and Savior, that's not something you can take back. The water is poured out. It can't be brought back. They realized they could never take it back. Brothers, sisters, if we care about ourselves, if we care about our families, if we care about our church family, if we care about our community, if we care about our nation, then the wisest thing and the most genuine thing we can do tonight as brothers and sisters in Christ is A, confess our sins. And B, pour out our lives before God in dedication to Him. Our families don't really need our money. What they need are godly parents. Our church doesn't necessarily need our money. But what our church family needs are just godly members. Our community, our nation doesn't need more money. What it needs are godly citizens my prayer for me and for you tonight is that the Holy Spirit will make you frustrated that the Holy Spirit will make you discontented until in your heart and life you confess your sins not mine or the other people's but yours and that you'll dedicate yourself to serve the Lord I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine, he cannot conceive of what is meant by the offer 
of a holiday or a vacation at the beach. Do you get that? He says we're like that. That we, in essence, are far too easily pleased and will settle for so much less than what God offers us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we see in your word that through circumstances you brought about a discontent, a frustration. And Father, I pray that personally tonight, personally tonight in our relationship with you, you will, you will cause that frustration and discontent so that Lord, we'll listen to you. We'll confess sin. We'll get rid of any idol. We'll, we'll pursue you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.